Greetings, Sci-Fi Universe. Owen Cotter here. Join me, your host, as we discuss all things geek chic and out of this world on Sci-Fiction Radio, your galactic transmission portal to all things science fiction and beyond. Welcome to Sci-Fiction Radio. Joining us on today's show is director Joel Gilzo. Hold on while Joel joins us here shortly. Joel, are you there? I'm here. How's it going? Doing pretty good, man. Welcome to the show. How are things with you, man? Doing really good. Um, staying really busy. <laughs> I hear you on that, Perfect. man. I hear you on that. Well, that sounds great. Well, let's get started here. For the listeners, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is you do? Okay. Well, um, uh, my name is Joel Galvo, and I am a filmmaker at heart. <laughs> And I've been working on a film for the last, gosh, a little over three years now, a film called Norman. Uh, it's a time travel mm-hmm. film. And uh, just, yeah, it's an independent project. I've been funding it myself for forever and just kind of been working at it piece by piece when time allows from uh, my regular job. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going going really awesome. We're hoping to have, try to hopefully have it finished by the end of this year, at least, a, a, at least an internal <laughs> build of it. <laughs> Um, that sounds so fantastic. I think the to be like January, February, hopefully to have a premiere. But my goal is like by the end of this year, that I can sit in my office and I can actually watch it and it'll be done. So, because I've been dreaming about this thing for way too long, it'd be nice to have it out of my brain. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Man. Just curious, how did this did your project Norman come about exactly? And can you elaborate on the plot of the story, the characters, and some of that and so forth? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of been a story that's been in my head for a long time, and it's it's changed so much. Um, it, it kind of originated from just some simple ideas um, from a, about a character actually talking to himself in the future. Like, if you let's say you had a radio, and the radio could actually control time travel. And so, you, what you actually do is you could talk with yourself in the future, um, and. It, that was like an idea I had like forever ago, and then things changed, and then I came up with some different ideas. And it's funny how like it just it kind of starts from a very simple idea, and then it became more elaborate. And then um, I ended up going over to a friend's house for dinner, and he had just an awesome house. And I was it was funny because he was he was sitting over there eating, and I, I actually went to the bathroom, and I was just walking around the house, and I was like, he's got a very kind of a knickknacky type house. And mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I was like, hey. Would there be any chance I could shoot something here? You know, I I had an idea for a film, that, and, and the story of Norman's very, I would I would say it's like a castaway time travel film. It's it's about a character named Norman who is stuck in the past. You know, he took a kind of a one way trip with a time machine that he built, and now he's stuck in the past, and it becomes a place that he thought he was going to really enjoy, thought he'd be an escape from, but it ends up being kind of his prison, and. Being able, he's trying to basically try to figure out a way to get back to his own time without screwing things up. Um, and the, the movie kind of works its way backwards. Um, as, as it kind of starts, it's, it's very different. It's, it's, it's a little unconventional. It, you know, it starts to kind of reveal why is he there in the first place? Why did he build this time machine? What is he doing here? Is he trying to fix something? Is he not trying to fix something? You know, why is he so paranoid? He's living in his house and doesn't want to go outside. He gets his food, everything delivered to the front door. Um, wow. And then within the first, within the first probably thirty minutes, he's getting ready to commit suicide, and you kind of figure out what is what is going on with this character. And, and the, as the movie progresses, you start to kind of see bits of his past, and you know what's going, what's really going on, and why is he there, and 
you know, I, I would say that the time travel element of the film is not necessarily the biggest element of the main story. It's it's, it's my it's my plot device to be able to show an inter- interesting perspective on what this character is doing um, and, and why he's here in the first place. Um, I, I, I explained it to someone else. I, I always like the idea that, you know, in in life, you know, you're you're kind of always searching for that next kind of big thing. Or I know some people are. You know, I, I'm definitely kind of right. the first one. Like, I, I I enjoy the journey more than getting to the point. But I know there's a lot of people that they they think by getting there, having enough money, or you know, whatever, you're gonna finally arrive. Like, you're just gonna arrive on this pedestal, and suddenly everything's gonna be okay. Life will be amazing, and it's gonna be perfect. But the people who you know, or even people with now with cell phones now, they take photos all the time but yet they forget to actually look at what they're taking a photo of. And so really their photo is the only memory they have of what they did. Like where I, I try to be able to look and feel what I'm doing at, in the present and to live in the moment so I can actually remember it. I'd rather experience it than have to then look at a photo. Like I guess, you know, because there's, there, there's always going to be certain memories that you can remember, you know, better than most. And it's, Norman is kind of the character is kind of running away from his past and running away from something that happened and, He's using time as an escape. He's not using it wow. to fix something. It's, it's 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 kind of a different different case. And so it's you know, so it's him always searching for the next big thing, but then realizes there isn't. Like he'll never stop. You, you know, you got to kind of in, you got to live in the moment. So it, his his character kind of changes throughout the movie, and at least we're hoping it does. <laughs> but you know, it, it shows that way. And um, there's a lot of just different you know, atmospheres in the in, in the in the movie going from a civil war scene to a from forest to desert to snow to this uh, abandoned town to these bandits ta- attacking to the future to the past all sorts of interesting interesting things and it's just uh you know as we're trying to right now as we're you know really deep into the editing process is we're figuring out what scenes really work really well, what scenes we might need to like dust off, maybe just tweak a little bit or cut short, and um, and I think it's really pulling together. The latest draft, I think we're on draft number four or five. Um, we're just getting ready to actually start on visual effects because I did a Kickstarter in January to raise money to to do visual effects to pay for a visual effects artist to do After mm-hmm. Effects and stuff because I got a lot of awesome friends who do amazing Photoshop design that are just absolutely professional. And we're going to work on getting PSDs and effects to the After Effects artist and to do the visual effects. So this weekend, I was hoping to actually go to my friend's house, but he's not feeling so good. So I'm going to kind of be working on it. Lone Wolf this this weekend and try to get a couple scenes ready for the visual effects artist to start working on those scenes as we're tweaking the rest of it. But it's it's interesting as as we edit along, we're you know, from even from how the script was, and then you start seeing it in visual form, and you go, I think it looks better having this scene play first before this one. And I always tend to choose the projects that, that really do stretch me. Um, and I don't plan that. In a, I, I always think it's going to be some sort of an easy project or, a, you know, an easier project than last time. Like, oh, you know, I've gotten a lot better. This this project should go a lot smoother. And it does in some ways. Then it's awesome because I, I do try to find something like a subject matter or a topic that is challenging that I would really enjoy to see in the theaters. Um, that, that just surprises you. That's just different. It's not like, um, I guess. Oh, okay, I'm trying to think of like you know the, a lot of the formulas even with the Bond movie. You know, you always got to start with this big action sequence and stuff like that. Like, I like movies that that start you off. They kind of start you off in the middle of the movie. That don't have to say, oh, here's Bob and this is what he does for a living and then blah 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 right. blah. I like movies that kind of like start almost with no dialogue 
and a lot of you kind of just figure out, wait, what is, what is going on, okay? And then finally when he says something, then, you know, you start to kind of grasp it a little bit. I like I like how it eases you in that you're almost like, oh, I've been watching the movie for, say, 15 minutes, where a lot of it is just <laughs> I feel like I watch it, and you go, okay, here's the scene, then, okay, here's the logo when it comes up. It's like, you know, I, I, I want to start it, I want I want to start that movie off in a very different mood that you go, oh, okay, this movie you're going to kind of have to watch. You, you know, you're going to have to probably remember some things or figure it out, like, I don't know. Right. I, I, any, any time travel movie, like I've really enjoyed. I like when it's a little bit on the confusing side until it hopefully mm-hmm. wraps up at the end. Now, if it doesn't wrap up at the end, then it's just bad. But like, <laughs> I like it kind of get. I like kind of guessing, like what's going to go on or what's happening, you right. know, until the very end. And if it wraps up Ocean's Eleven style, where it's like, oh, okay, that's what happened here. That's what happened here. That's that's really cool. So that's what I'm going for. So I'm shooting high. I'm shooting very, you know, I'm aiming high, and so I'm hoping to. Right. I'd rather. I'd rather miss it a little bit high than to aim really low. <laughs> that, that's pretty cool, man. Now, you mentioned uh, effects. There is a kind of tablet device that's used in the movie. How does this, like, this gadget come into play? And as a follow-up question, since it's, I guess, CGI-based feature, I'm assuming, who is exactly responsible for designing and uh, bringing that, the, the, life to the, excuse me, the device to life in the film? Uh, well, the device is, uh, for mm. simpler terms, it's basically a... AI iPad. <laughs> Just think of it as a ta- you know, oh, wow. a tablet. And so the main character has a little tablet and it can speak, you know, very much like a Siri can. So it'll have a voice and it's basically it has just about if not a little bit more dialogue than Norman does throughout the whole movie. Um, because, oh, you know, wow. the movie, like, imagine, you know, if you're by yourself for the weekend in your house, how much do you talk mm-hmm. to yourself? You don't talk to yourself that much. Um, right. So in this movie, throughout a lot of periods of time, if he doesn't have the device called Annie, um, uh-huh. he doesn't talk very much. So there's a lot of journal sequences where you kind of hear his thoughts, what he's thinking about. But throughout most of the movie, when he has his, his companion device, Annie, um, who is AI, he um, that's honestly the second main character in the whole film. And so it's a little sarcastic. Um, it's, uh, it's something he built. Uh-huh. And... Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a major major character in the film, and I, I, it was definitely a little risky when I thought about doing it. And I was hoping we could pull it off, and I talked with a friend who was I was hoping to be able to do the visual effects, and that was who we ended up raising money to get him on board. And he, I kind of as I filmed it, I said, "Hey, double check these shots, uh, you know, because I want to push the effects so that mm-hmm. it is convincing. But let, let me know. I, w- I want to make sure I'm doing shots that you think you can pull off and we can do." And, He'd be like, oh, that looks great. This might be a little hard. He's like, we'll, we'll make it happen. And so, but anyways, uh, my, my good friend Adam Miller, who was going to be doing the visual effects for it, um, he'll be working with a, a one of the the main graphic designers who will be heading up a team of designers who are working on the UI, the layout, the face, the colors, everything. And so we'll be handing that over to Adam, who will start articulating it and, you know, and actually creating the, the you know, the image on the face. Because Norman will use it. Like, I think of... Um, I think of like Iron Man. You know how he kind of looks through his little display, and you can kind of touch things. Right. And stuff. So there's a couple scenes in the movie where he'll actually look through the device. It's a clear glass device, and imagine if you look through it at a corner of a room, it could actually like show you on the HUD what the mm-hmm. what the angle of it is. You know, like how how thick something is, or how you know whatever, like the vibrations and all sorts of stuff on it. And then it also has a little wow. also kind of pop up and talk, and you know. So we're working on that. We're kind of honing down the exact, you know, uh, narration and the dialogue that she'll be saying. And we're really hoping to get actually a really um, awesome actor for that role um, to play the voice. So I'm really excited. So we've got some 
cool prospect. So, there, so there's going to actually be an actor that plays the voice. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yes, it will. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a challenge because it's you know throughout filming it, we cut from Norman or my my main actor Stephen Burge, who is acting mm. just opposite someone who is not speaking. So we would have whoever would be there to help me film. Um, I would just say, hey, could you read these lines while he's talking? So as I'm editing, you're hearing, like, my random friends, like, male voices talking. It's supposed to be a girl. And so just to kind of temp, put stuff in as we're shooting it. And so it's a bit hard to, like, edit because you're thinking, okay, there's no effects on the screen. How long right. can I have a dollar shot that slowly pushes in on the face where there's no effects? It might look really boring. But once we get effects in there, I can maybe hold the shot longer. So it's just, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, I'm, I'm, like, living in my head as I'm editing it going, I think this is long enough. I think it's a little good. I'm guessing this is what's going to happen on the screen. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a challenge, but it sure is. A, it's, it's a lot of fun. That sounds awesome, man. This thing incorporates such an awesome piece of technology to a film like that. I don't, I don't know many things unless, like you mentioned, Iron Man, but that's a little, that's quite, quite a bit different. Um, instead of going the route like a lot of these sci-fi films, like you know, with like spaceships and aliens and stuff like that, I mean, your film is mainly about time travel. Now, yeah, I mean, you know, she goes back in time and stuff. Now, I have a few other questions pertaining to that. Um, just curious, yeah. no no one really knows how time travel works or much less traveling through it, I mean, if it even really exists. Based on the popula- postulation, if it were to possibly exist, what, do you, what are your opinions on that? Um, you know, it, that's what we're working on really hard. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the way we've done it, we're trying to really uh, make sure we we balance the amount that balance the expectations of the viewers, right? So, okay, if if you go into a movie theater and you're going to go see uh, Ron Howard's movie Apollo 13, mm-hmm. you're hopefully going to expect that you know the science is going to be correct, that you know the NASA, the mission, and the shuttles and everything are going to kind of act how it's supposed to happen because you're supposed to be watching a historically accurate film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you watch something, even like Star Trek or whatever, and they're trying to, uh, uh, let's, let's, and let's say not the newest one. Let me talk about JJ Abrams, just a random one, right? Um, <laughs> there's a certain, there, there's a certain line where uh, the audience kind of perceives, okay, like that's what they're trying to do. Let's say, um, like there's some movies that the time machine is all about it. We're we're going to talk about the science of how exactly it works. Blah blah blah. This mathematical stuff, you know, a hundred percent. Mine is going to be a little bit more of that. Uh, fantasy version of it where it's the time travel works but it, i'm not i'm not really trying to go into oh how does it work you know it works because of this it works because of that like there there's there's enough information in there but i think that the audience just can be like oh okay so he he made it work with this sort of thing and oh that's cool but that's not necessarily the, the main point of it that i'm trying to do where i'm not because i mean in all reality we have a time machine that he built out of wood and it's just this crazy contraption it's uh, it's almost like mousetrap the game where he built this hand crank that he's going to pull this portal open and it's got these wires and it's just crazy and it's like how is it working you know but I want wow. to feel of it's like how is it working but it does it it, it just does so like I, I, I'm making in, in the film it doesn't go hey it doesn't all of a sudden change from we're trying to be 100% realistic how time travel works and then we flip side to be more of just a fun film and then don't even care about explaining anything so we're trying to you know, make sure we are on the middle ground of how it kind of works but uh, our method uh, for time travel is kind of following a little bit on how Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban did it, if you're familiar with that. Yeah, where, 
Well, basically, if I were to use a time machine and I go back to yesterday, mm. today, if if I build a time machine now and I go back, I've already done it. I've already gone back already. Like, if you already plan to do it, it's already happened. So you, like, That's right. You, 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 yeah, it's just that you didn't know. You just didn't know you did it until you actually, until when you did it. So that's kind of our version of doing it. And uh, the main story of Norman is that he is this scientist that has built the world's first time machine. He's done a very kind of small, he, it's not a giant big showing. He built it for himself, and he has no idea where it's going to take him. But it's the idea wow. that if someone here in this world built a time machine, they knew it worked. Like, they were so sure it worked, but they don't have 100% evidence that it actually works, you know? Like, no one knows now. I mean, like, everyone just thought the theories, you know, no one's ever been able to actually make it work, you know? But imagine if someone did. I can guarantee you someone in this world would volunteer straight up to walk through them, whether it kills them or not. Like, if there was a big chance, they would do it. I mean, same right. thing with our, you know, even going to the moon. Like, it was crazy. But people didn't. A lot of people died, you know, on, on failed missions and stuff. But people are so oh, adamant yeah. about trying it, going to the unknown. So this character builds this time machine, and he knows it works, but he just wants to leave. He doesn't He doesn't feel like he belongs in the time that he is. And so he just wants to, he, right. he uses it as an escape. And so, um, so... We, we're really trying to. We, I think. I think the way we've done it. I think we've kind of. We've we've covered enough uh, of the plot that I, I don't think we're kind of screwing any, screwing any area up by accident. Right. Getting stuff. So we 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 spent months trying to get that right. But it, it, it but it's definitely not one of the thrills where it's so like exact where it's like you know. Um, uh, we're just trying to make sure it's enough and it's like you know it's it's completely believable as you watch. It's just going okay. So Norman uses a such and such. Gizmo to create it to make it work. We're not explaining how the, all the gizmos work, but it's you know it's that part you know you kind of have to just spend some disbelief that time travel does work, <laughs> and the way he's created right. to work, it works that way. So um, and that's and that's really fun. So it's fun to see how that kind of slowly kind of changes. But um, that's really cool, yeah. man. How, how did you how did you hear about that film actually? Oh, I, I stumbled upon your trailer on the internet, and I was watching. I was like, "Man, this is awesome!" Holy gee whiz, it was really, really cool. I, I really enjoyed it. So you know, I was just oh, curious. Yeah. Oh, you're you're welcome. Man. There, there are a lot of gadgets, and there's other things. Like I saw something in the trailer. I noticed it was like a some kind of futuristic aerial drone of sorts. Um, yeah. Is, is he being chased by that when the people are like, "Is that in the future?" First off, that's another question. And in the scene, um, how hard was it to film on? I know you filmed a lot of locations, like you said, snow, even a desert. I mean, what was the first question? What would be the uh, challenge of filming something like that? And the second would be, uh, what was the most difficult environment to film in? Um, well, that the little drone thing you're talking about, I don't want to talk too much mm -hmm. exactly about it because I, I think you'll, I think the people will enjoy what's going on. But we have, there's a little, there's a small battle scene and. So somebody uses it as a kind of a top-down view of the battlefield. Um, oh, wow. Is able to kind of get an idea of like uh, there's a there's a there's a character that has something on the arm, so you can look through it and you can basically have an idea of what's you know what's around the corner. So, um, so that's kind of like a little uh, unmanned drone that kind of helps people out to be able to go figure out you know the tactics and where people are, who's good, who's bad, what side is on. So th there's. Right. You know, a really cool scene that we filmed. It was crazy. It was a it was a crazy scene we had to film. It was about seven hours of literally just nonstop filming. It was just go go go. It, you know, it's, wow. it was working on such a small budget, and you know, 
I was able to make this film happen where if I had to film this thing in straight 30 days, like it would probably cost, oh my gosh, it probably cost like $120,000 to do because, you know, having it like day after day after day of filming, you have to have everything ready where let's say the spacesuit or the, I'm sorry, I always call it the spacesuit, but it's an enormous time traveling suit. Um, <laughs> we always just call it the spacesuit. Um, but, uh, if it broke on set, it'd be very hard to quickly go make another one to start filming in the next hour, the next day, you know, where I was able to film for a couple of days and then we would take a break for a couple of weeks, possibly four or five weeks. And then sometimes it was like six months because uh, my main actor, he uh, got a job in Florida. So he moved from where we were, he was currently living really close to where I live. And that delayed, you know, basically the film for six months. But on a hindsight, wow. it's a blessing because we got to spend an extra six months working on the script because after working on it for so long, for over a year, and, you know, little bits at a time when you'd have money, when you could afford sets and props and stuff, I started yeah. looking at the script and going, oh, you know, I I feel like there might be a little hole there or something like that. I'm like, I think we can fix this. I think we got a better idea, and so we came up with new ideas. We really fixed things, and, oh, the story's just – it's awesome. It, like, I'm really – just the latest draft, like, like – for me, I, I, don't, I don't know how it's going to be for everyone else, but it was, it was giving me chills just because I've been working on it for so so long, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's really starting to pull together. I'm really, I really like what I see. And that that makes me happy because, you know, when you, you work on your same project so long, you know exactly what it looks like every edit, every tiny facial feature of every actor. Like, you know it by heart now that oh. once you get to this point that I start to see it as a movie as if, like, I haven't directed it myself. So it's fun to see it. Mm. Like, oh, man, this it's actually working. My idea is going to work. <laughs> um, but uh, let's see. Well, yeah, a lot of different locations we shot. Like, we, we would wait till you know, winter, and we would shoot a couple little scenes. And they're, they're not very long, but they're, they're, uh, they work for what I need them to work for. And we ended up shooting in this um, in North Carolina on the dunes out there. I forget that the name of it is called something like Devil's uh. something. Um, but it was really awesome. We went there. It was so hot. And it was fun because people were looking around, and my the main character had to wear a suit. <laughs> oh yeah, I noticed that in the trailer. He's wearing, yeah, this, he's wearing this suit. People are like, "What are you doing?" And then we hiked like three and a half miles up a trail. Um, we drove three hours to this place called uh, Grayson Highlands, and we hiked miles. And he had to wear a nice suit, and he had to wear the nice shoes and everything. And just seeing the hikers' faces, they're walking by like, "What are you guys doing?" We just said we were shooting <laughs> photos for GQ or something. Um, but uh, yeah. The, the most challenging, I think, is was probably the science lab, I think. I had to build the science lab with the time machine and everything. And it was just a huge – it was huge. I mean, it was the biggest thing I've ever done and having to do it by myself. Like, we spent building it in, out of plastic and all sorts of tubes and things like that, lighting it mm-hmm. and having to keep the fog machines going. And like a lot of independent films, like, they use fog machines. But what I, I always hate and that I noticed is that well, a, a crappy fog machine is not like a nice fog machine they use on real on big budget movies. They use a haze machine actually, which is very right. very very thin fog, um, so that it doesn't show up that little wispy cloud. So what we were doing is we would make the fog machines go, and then we would run around the science lab to kind of wisp it up so it'd be thinner. So every time mm-hmm. we do a shot, we like all right fog, and everyone walk around like a train and you know wisp it down a little bit so that we could get the shot and it would look better than it would, you know, it wouldn't look like, okay, it looks like a traditional fog machine. Uh, mm. That that was, the, that was the craziest one. It was such a long period of scenes back to back, and there was mm. a couple different versions that happened in it. 
that he kind of comes back. And they all look, it looks the same. So when you're shooting it kind of out of order, you get a close of his face, but then you get another close of his face that's supposed to be, you know, later in the movie, but they look the same. So just trying to keep it all in your head the correct manner, it, it was tedious. Yeah. Well, the, there's a sequence in the film you had mentioned it earlier. It takes place, in, I believe, in the Civil War where, like, another battle is happening. How did you go about filming such a sequence with historical significance? And as a follow-up, how much research exactly went into creating the look of the, like, the soldiers and the environment and stuff? Um, it's – I don't want to talk too much about it because I think it's it, it's it's a pretty interesting sequence. It's 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 fairly short, but it's um, – it really helps. The kind of, I, for me, I think it really helps to set the tone of what the movie is to kind of keep you on your toes a little bit. Um, and like, I, I I love movies that you know they might show you something, and then later on in the movie you'll finally find out what it is. So like at the start of the movie, you you'll pretty much judge it really poorly. You'd be like, oh, what the heck was that? And then later on you'd be like, holy, oh, that's what it is. Like, ah, oh, that's what's mm-hmm. going on. Like, I I love that when you kind of like forget it by the time towards the end of the movie or like middle and then you kind of realize something so i was trying to go for that um so I, uh, that was a really fun i we actually we, we we filmed that a civil war reenactment we tried to get some shots but things didn't work out and then i ended up getting oh, wow. a hold of contacting people because of that and they were really awesome and they they drove down like nine hours to, to help me out with this they were incredible guys and they just showed up, they had everything, they had all the costumes and stuff, and I was like, oh, like what can we shoot? Let's see how many people you have. Um, and we got it done. I think I think it's going to be a cool little sequence. So uh, Adam's working on the visual effects actually this coming week on the that this other battle scene and science lab scene. We're trying to get start working on the scenes. But uh, that was really fun. I, I was I was trying I was hoping to be able to for the movie to add a lot of different environments as much as possible just to kind of air because the movie takes place with this guy as a hermit pretty much living in a house never going outside. I wanted to be able to so just I, I wanted to make sure the movie wasn't just Norman in the house for a very long period of time. I wanted to kind of break it up so you have these kind of flashbacks learning about his past and how he got there. So as you're kind of watching him being this loner kind of guy and figure out what he's doing there. You've got to, you see these other. It goes back and forth between these pieces, so it kind of slowly gets explained. Um, but yeah, that, that was a, that was a really fun sequence to shoot. It was really loud, and um, <laughs> my brother is an incredible sound guy. Looks really loud. He recorded all of the pistols and the mm-hmm. flintlock, I believe, flintlock, um, and all just all the different just you know rifles and stuff. And he got all these sounds, so he'll be doing the sound design late this year. That thing looks awesome. I was watching the trailer. It's in, that trailer is intense. It's really cool. Like it builds up. It looks fantastic. Just curious. Um, out of, just out of curiosity, are there any films or TV series or even comic books that gave you like inspiration for when creating the film? And if so, like what might those be exactly? Um. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, I I, I love I, I love the show Lost. I hated the ending of it, but uh, what my it'll probably always still be my favorite show just because it was such a fun experience in my life. Just for like the six years just following the show, that always felt like it always felt like at the end it was going to just sum things up and you were going to be like, "Whoa, that's awesome," you know. Right. But I, for me, it never did. But I loved I loved especially like a season two episode when they they go into the hatch and there's just this mm-hmm. mystery that you're like, what is this for? You know, I, I, I love that kind of storytelling where, it, like, you know, you're just so intrigued to see the next 10 minutes or what's going to happen next. Um, right. I, I like that kind of storytelling, but then 
I, I want to make sure that it actually has a, that it needs to have a payoff. It can't just you can't just tease people and they have no payoff. Like that's that I think it's mm-hmm. just wrong. Like you know that's just kind of cheating because it'd be easy to yeah. just be like. I just like you know you, uh, randomly he gets a message from some alien like thing, but then at the end of the movie you never explain what that was or you never talk about it. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, you know you can't do that. Like you're just kind of like I feel like you're just reeling people in or scamming them. But uh, right. I mean I'm a huge fan of Spielberg. I love Alfonso Cuarón. Uh, I love like Children of Men. Um, I like doing mm-hmm. a lot of like long shots, long takes, and stuff like that as much as possible. I like when you can. I like. I like when an a, a actor can kind of say a few more lines than just, you know, one or two and then cutting, especially for a fight scene. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the Born, Born Identity movies, but I, I was not a huge fan of, like, the second and third one because the, the, it, it was so shaky that you it, it doesn't look like the actors are doing anything. Like, I, just from filming, I could make those scenes in my, in my sleep just because by shaking it so much, you can, you can create this hyper-fast speed that it feels like mm. everyone, like, if, if anyone, you can make anyone look like a superhero pretty much, like, kicking butt. <laughs> but, I, right. but I like those scenes where it takes this long shot and you see them actually wielding the sword and it's like, holy crap, it looks heavy, they look tired, you know, and it looks like they really got hurt. So, like, mm. you know, a lot of, I, I love when you when you can see that, you know, and like in Children of Men, there's these long takes that by the end of it, you're like, wow, you felt like you actually went through that, that really happened, and, you know, instead of where it'd be so easy to open a door, cut the next scene, you're in another room, you can do it, it's magic, you know, but, like, by them doing it in shot was just so powerful, so definitely my heroes of, of filmmaking, you know, I love when Spielberg does it, I love when Alfonso Cron does that, and, um, like, uh, There Will Be Blood, like, I love that kind, that, that kind of film, too, as well, where it's, um, have you seen There Will Be Blood? I don't think I've seen that. I've seen Children of Men. Though. That's a fantastic film. Okay, okay. Uh, there will be blood. Excellent. But the, the way the movie starts off and just the music of it, it's just incredible. And it's just, it's, it feels like it's, it's like I, I like mixing mm. tones where you have a certain style of movie. Let's say it's an action movie, but then the music is not action music. It's very different. Right. Like I like to sit around with that kind of stuff where you, you kind of play with it a little bit, um, but. It's gonna be interesting. Like, there's a, there's a lot of journal stuff where Norman is kind of you hear him, him thinking and his thoughts of like what's going on. So there'll be a couple montage scenes where they're just building the time machine, trying to build a way to get back home. And throughout mm-hmm. it, you know, he'll saying things like, you know, journal number day, you know, day seventy four. We're we're working on the time machine. We made a lot of progress. Such such such. You know, and you kind of learn his background and how he's thinking, how he's feeling, and um, mm-hmm. and as he meets these different characters and. Halfway through the movie, as he's about to commit suicide, someone stops him from doing that by accident, basically through just a random chance. And it's this girl, and it causes him to basically lose his power to be able to take his life because he can't find a way back to the to the future again. He can't fix a way. It's like you may be good with with PCs; you could probably build a PC from scratch, but I know you probably couldn't build a CPU. You couldn't actually right. build the actual RAM. So this Norman, you know, he, he lives in the future. He had all these amazing stuff to build his time machine, but now he's stuck in the past. He doesn't have all that. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have all these powerful computers. He has Annie, but that's about it. He doesn't have all the stuff he has. So he's been trying to figure out an alternate way to build a time machine to get back, and he hasn't. And he's been there right. for so long that he doesn't want to screw anything else in the, in, in the time stream that he basically goes, I'm going to set the house on fire. He, he has his fail-safe down in the basement. And he feels like he's he's going to basically take his life, and by doing that, 
He's not going to break the rules, and hopefully the house will burn up. Everything will burn up in the house. So hopefully it will just look like a fluke accident and hopefully not not change as much as, as you know, it, it would have maybe if people found the house and they found his stuff and what he was working on, or maybe they found Annie or something like that. So, but uh. that, he gets stopped. He gets stopped. And, um, and because of that, he ends up actually figuring out a way to get back. He figures out a new method. And now it's kind of a race against time that he, he needs to build it and get back soon. Um, before he yes. thinks possibly something's going to happen. So before he changes it too much. Um, yeah. Well, that's really <laughs> cool, huh? That's, that sounds really awesome. I like that. It's yeah, really thanks. Cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, oh, you're most welcome. It's been an awesome project to work with. Well, we have it's a little been bit a of long time left. Journey. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it, man. It's just like that That trailer is just so cool. I like, I like it's like got all these gadgets. And it's just really, it seems like a, I can't wait until it comes out, man. It looks like a really great film. Well, we have a little bit of time left. Are there any like website links or information you'd like to give out to the listeners to find out more about Norman? Uh, yeah, if you go to normanthefilm.com, that is the main website. You can see the trailer, and I, I think we also have a link to the Kickstarters. The Kickstarters are already done, but we've got some other things if you want to read other information about it. Um, there's, You can subscribe there, like an email newsletter. and pretty much, I, I, try to, I try to update and throw out like a new behind-the-scenes video um, leading up, hopefully, to the, whenever, whenever we finish the movie, to kind of keep people interested, mm-hmm. like behind-the-scenes. And something I always wanted to do with the movie, and more from getting from the Lord of the Rings uh, behind-the-scenes, was that they did such a good job at showing every little bit of behind-the-scenes. Honestly, for me, that was so much fun to see that rather than the Hollywood-type ones where it's these random people going, we have such a fun time on set, and they show, like, two clips, then it's back to people talking and how cool the movie was. I, right. uh, so what I did is almost every single scene in the movie, and I think I had over 52 days worth of, of, of shooting days. Like They weren't all like 12 or 14-hour days, but 52 mm-hmm. individual days that we went out and actually tried to film for Norman. And almost every single day, wow. I brought my phone, and we would record behind-the-scenes footage for almost everything, whether it was the dumbest thing we did or the coolest thing from the big set or sand dunes or whatever. But I thought it would be fun to, at the end to have a documentary that shows kind of side-by-side the behind-the-scenes footage as we're doing it. Like, you can see it from the crappy camera view um, mm. of how we did it. So, like, let's say... Because there would be funny things. where We shot a scene where, where Norman is standing by this bonfire, and naturally, as a bonfire burns, it gets lower and lower. And to make sure the fire kind of glinted off his glasses and everything, I just had him cheat, and he, he was just... Instead of crouching, like, on his knees, it was it's rough, so he just kind of spread his legs out wide eagle like he was about to do a split sideways, but from the shot I'm doing, I'm just close up on his face, and it looks like the height of the fire is he, 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 he look, he's shorter, but the way the shot looks, it looks like he's still standing, and, you know, the, the fire is just as tall as it was earlier, you know, like 15 minutes ago. Uh-huh. But, like, we have behind the scenes, it's just, he just looks ridiculous, like, standing that way. And I always thought it'd be fun to show people, like, this is what it takes to do it, you know. It's, it's that right. person off screen shaking a building or shaking a ladder or chucking dust behind over the camera to you know to create some sort of effect. It looks so silly, but then it's funny when you can pull it off from the right angle, it actually works, especially when you have sound and, you know, the right way. And our approach to the film was we don't have a million dollars to do this. How can we show an effect that makes it look like we had a million dollars but we but we don't? So instead of saying we can do semi cheesy effects that we could probably create a CGI alien, but man, it would look terrible. Not that there's aliens in the movie, <laughs> but uh, or maybe there are. No, I'm just kidding. But like, instead of creating a really terrible-looking CGI character, how about I don't 
and I create another way or a method of doing something the mm-hmm. same way, but just in a different way, so that it feels more polished and it's not as cheesy. Right. It's kind of like I see I see movies all the time. I don't want to see crappy effects in my own movie. Like, <laughs> why would I even make a movie then? So it's like every little thing. It's gotta it's gotta really convince me. If it can't convince me. It's not going to go in it. So it's been fun trying to, you know, pick and choose between the actors we have, um, you know, just going, hey, show up. Like, you, you're, you're an awesome actor. Uh, you know, you're a great friend of mine. I'm like, I know this is only, like, a scene that you may say four words, but instead mm-hmm. of just getting a random person, I want to get someone that's good um, because mm-hmm. I want to be convinced. I want to be convinced the whole way through the whole film. And, and it was fun to work with Steven. He, he's, he's an awesome actor, and he was just an incredible friend. We kind of grew to know each other really well, and it was just, just been an awesome friendship from, you know, where I thought it was always going to be like a four to six week project. Um, but then it turned into just like now when we're still filming. So we started in March 2012. And it was because, mm-hmm. you know, you film a little bit and then Stephen couldn't come for a weekend because he had some event. Then I couldn't. And then it'd be like, oh, crap, I have to pay for some random thing. So I didn't have the money to buy something. So we'd have to wait another couple of weeks. And, it's, you know, we're still working on it. So, and, you know, the script has changed a little bit here and there and for the better and, uh, we're hoping to have Stephen back down a little bit later this fall for a whole week to uh, record his dialogue, his lines, and we have like we have two last little tiny scenes, and that that honestly, hopefully, fingers crossed that that will be the last time we have to film the scenes, you know, with him. <laughs> I love working with him, but man, it'd be great to just be like cut, wrap. We actually are physically done, but uh, so it's only just two little tiny more scenes and little tiny pickups and stuff like close-ups of him writing in a journal, things you know, things that weren't mm-hmm. as priority at the time but you know um and because of the way this movie is it, it, it with editing it, it's it's been fun and it's such a huge challenge because it can go so many different ways um huh. it, we could start the film out with him saying something in a piece of narration you know that, that talks a little bit of his past and then we can jump right into a scene or we could show another huh. scene start with that or we start with this because there's so many different ways that it works and they all kind of work really well that it's just deciding which one is the best way and with right. his narration and the journal dialogue and everything is I want to match it so when he is writing something down on the paper, he actually is writing the exact narration you'll hear so it syncs up. Right. So it's like that stuff I have to wait till the very end because as we change things, Annie might say something that I don't need Norman to say anymore, you know, where in right. the script Norman might say something like, ah, hand me this hammer. Well, the way we edit it, we might not have the scene anymore. So it's like that's it. so it's been a challenging process because we have to do little pieces at a time until it all fits together like a puzzle piece. <laughs> well, that's yeah, awesome. go to normanthefilm.com and uh, yeah, subscribe and I'll, you know, I think I have my email on there and you're welcome to send me emails and stuff like that or if you have any questions about it. Um, hoping to have uh, we've got we've got a theater in, in D.C. that really wants to show it. A couple of local theaters. We have some people in Florida that want to show it and hoping to do a premiere in California and Hopefully, oh, anywhere will, people will take us. So, and we've been talking with some uh, people in New York, some producers, and we're hoping to jump on board with them. Hopefully, you know, maybe hopefully we can get it distributed or or something. Who knows? I think this the, the, this whole year and the next is going to be absolutely crazy. I think my I think the world's about to change. <laughs> like, I it's just from doing the Kickstarter, the amount of people that have called and, and inquired and that are really interested, it blows my mind because I love yeah, it's a very it. cool I mean, film. Something I something I love doing and you have to love it or you could you couldn't do it. <laughs> it's just it's too time too time time consuming and it's like it takes up your life because you gotta be thinking about it. And mm. but I, I hope it I hope it does well and I hope at least the Kickstarter people really like it and I can I can do another project down the road but awesome. Yeah but do you, you have a, fa- you have a Facebook? 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, if you search on Facebook, I think it's just Norm in the Film, and you can find it from the, the website as well. Um, and I think there's also a Twitter, I think, at Norm in the Film as well. So all three okay. of those. Um, take a peek at it. we got a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes videos, and um, Adam even shows some of the visual effects, just kind of basic designs of what he's working on for Annie and how he's going to accomplish that from music and sound and meeting the main awesome. actors and characters. So well, that's, awesome that's awesome, man. <laughs> Yeah, that film. Hey. Your film's re- really good, man. I really, I really, I really think you got something there. It was, it was a pleasure having Thanks. you on the show, man. I know it was, it was my pleasure. I appreciate you uh, let me have the time to, to be on here, man. I appreciate it so much. Oh, most welcome, man. I had a blast talking with you, and I very much look forward to seeing Norma when it comes out. You take care, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe we'll try it again when it's actually getting close to premiering and. Uh, because uh, right now on the Kickstarter, the people that have done it are getting, I think, Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff. But hopefully whenever it's done, after that, I'm sure, hopefully it'll be somewhere else to sell as well. So maybe it'll come back on totally. and be like, whoa, it's actually in a store. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So, thank nice. you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Oh, you're most welcome, man. You have a good day, man. Hey, take care. You too, man. Bye.